Here's the stark truth. Most people in the U.S. need to lose at least a few pounds. But along with all the good advice we get, the things about eating more vegetables, exercising more, there's also a huge amount of bad information that we share. And we share it on Facebook and Twitter, at work, at school. Some of that bad information relates to race and genetics, things that simply are not true. We talked yesterday about America's growing problem with obesity. Today we want to explore a few of these myths that you may have heard that relate to weight gain and culture. Joining us, Dr. William Shu. He's the co-director of the Asian American Diabetes Initiative at the Joslin Diabetes Center in Boston, Massachusetts. And Dr. Denise Wilfley, director of the Weight Management and Eating Disorders Program at Washington University in St. Louis. William... There is so much information related to weight that goes around. How come we can't get a unified opinion from the medical community, i.e., this is how you lose weight, step one, step two, step three? Well, that's a good question, Celeste. I think part of the problem is because uh, we are really not one people. There are different uh, ethnic groups uh, with different physiology, different body types. And so there's probably not one single truth applies to all population groups. All right, so tell me about some of these differences. Obviously, you work at the Asian American Diabetes Initiative. Are there certain things related to weight uh, that, say, only pertain to Asian Americans? Well, that's a good question. Uh, for example, the, there, there is this common misconception that uh, among the Asian population is that uh, if you are if you don't look very overweight uh, from our appearance uh, you're not at risk for conditions such as diabetes and and that is simply not true because well because the the definition we use to to gauge whether the person is overweight or obese is actually different in different population groups and uh, most people most asian americans with diabetes uh, fall under what we consider normal weight. Okay. And so it's very important for, for the community as well as for the medical professionals to recognize that so that we won't give false information. It's so different, in fact, that there's actually a separate BMI, body mass index, that's used for Asian Americans. And it turns out Asian Americans have a higher risk of developing diabetes than Caucasians. Is that correct? You're absolutely right. And this is not uh, only the happening around the, the world, but here at home uh, uh, in your places such as New York City, where we have a lot of good data, uh, most Asian Americans with diabetes uh, uh, are really uh, considered normal weight. All right, let's turn now to Dr. Denise Wilfley, who's with the Weight Management and Eating Disorders Program at Washington University in St. Louis. Denise, I wonder if you have patients coming in who kind of have misguided beliefs about their race or their culture and that how that may be responsible for their their weight? We have uh, many black women who are surprised to know that they actually have an eating disorder. They have recurrent binge eating, loss of control eating where they can't stop themselves, but in the past they thought of themselves as more diet program failures and really didn't know that they had an eating disorder. I mean, what is the then the the line between a diet program failure and an eating disorder? When does somebody cross over that line? Individuals with binge eating disorder, which is a diagnostic category that will will likely be included in the upcoming DSM five. Individuals with that disorder, they have uh, marked over concern about their shape and weight, where they use shape and weight to define how they feel about themselves, are more likely to have 
loss of control episodes where when they start eating, they can't stop eating. And those are individuals are very different than people who have uh, non-binge uh, eating overweight problems. Is there also different conceptions about the, 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 the line where obesity begins among different cultures? Would somebody say from an Asian American community that Dr. Shu was talking about um, get concerned about their weight sooner than someone in another community or, or vice versa? Well, black American women are more likely to be accepting of their body image at the same uh, degree of overweight as a white woman or Asian or Hispanic woman. So there's more flexible norms about what's attractive in the black community. Now, of course, there's inter-race variability in there, um, but most black women actually at the same weight compared to a white woman or Hispanic women are more likely to feel good about their bodies. But that does not mean that black women aren't at high risk for eating disorders. Well, I wonder, William Shu. I wonder if maybe general practitioners, when a person goes to see their GP, um, if the, the GPs don't have all the information perhaps they need about the differences between different cultures and, and when to be concerned about risk of diabetes and when not to be. Well, the, that, that is one of the reasons why I think at the JAWS and we've been doing, try to do a lot of the awareness uh, campaign here. And, and the, the approach is really has taken two forms. One is to bring this news to, to the community through, uh, for example, your show and through other medias. And the other one is trained physicians, healthcare providers, so they could recognize and, uh, the different risk uh, uh, profiles and thresholds for different population groups. Well, you know, Denise, doesn't it all come down to simple mathematics? I mean, regardless of, of what your background may be, if you burn more calories than you consume, won't you lose weight? Period, as a human being? Denise? Yeah, yes. I mean, I, I, I was just trying to understand what, what you're asking. Well, I mean, we're talking about differentiations between races and cultures. Um, but when it comes to the effort to lose weight, isn't it basically the same calculation? Yes, and um, but there are differences in um, norms about weight and shape that can influence people's eating patterns as well. So that the that yes, it's true um, what you're saying. And and do we know what we all that we need to know about races and cultures and how they're affected by things like insulin? How they're affected by the, the what? oh, absolutely not. We yeah, don't. We we're, we we do not. How, what, why do we not? We uh, have been limited. Um, characteristically, research is more focused on um, the white population, and there's much more research underway. I mean, we do know that black Americans are much more likely to struggle with type 2 diabetes than white Americans. So that's a very pressing problem for that community. So, Dr. Shu, uh, when, when a patient goes to their GP, what are the important questions they need to ask? Well, they, they need to ask. Uh, in, it's really not just about race. Just I think you know the race is sort of a, a, a early. It's a marker for uh, disease risk. It's only a simple marker for uh, for genet genetic risk for certain con conditions. I mean, these days we really need to ask, what about for me? Me as an individual, given my history, given my family history, given my build, my level of activities and the kind of environment I live in, what kind of lifestyle, what kind of treatment should I 
uh, should be individualized for me. So, so you know, while race is very, very important uh, as a discussion because it impacts not only our genetic risks but also our belief system and the way we uh, accept and interact with certain uh, uh, treatment, but it comes down to individuals. So, so I would ask the doctors, what about what is the right uh, weight for me, rather than uh, sort of uh, lumping all together into uh, a race or a ethnic group. And does that d- differ largely, Denise, from the ad- advice you'd give to say a, a Black American? No, I think it is. There are differences based on race, but it's all about a one-size-fits-all doesn't work. And so really trying to look at these unique factors is very important. But I think the main thing, too, is for uh, individuals who are black or Hispanic, um, you know, that, you know, thinking more largely that eating disorders are not culture or race bound and really to make sure that they're not suffering from an eating disorder and that that could be blocking their weight loss efforts. That's Dr. Denise Wilfley, Director of the Weight Management and Eating Disorders Program at Washington University in St. Louis. And Dr. William Shu is co-director of the Asian American Diabetes Initiative at Jocelyn Diabetes Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Thanks to both of you. Oh, thank you. And we've, thank been you. Getting, we've been getting responses from you on this in conversation as well. My name's Margaret. I live on Cape Cod. I have a daughter who's 25 who came home from college at 240 pounds and has now gone down to 158 and is uh, on a pursuit to get even less than that at five foot four. And uh, we want to keep them coming at 8778 take the conversation about the obesity crisis in the United States, not only what causes it, but how to deal with it. This is Susan Knox from Detroit. What I've noticed recently is women's sizes in clothing have expanded so that a size 2 is what the old size 6 used to be. They say it's about self-esteem, but I wonder if it's enabling us to be fatter. Give us a call at 877-8-MY-TAKE. We're also talking about uh, you know a job pitch. No, let's not spend hours talking about your resume and all the interesting things you did in college. Let's just give you 30 seconds to pitch your dream job. Sally in Tennessee. This is the job I've studied, trained, and worked for all my life. Here's my portfolio of similar work I've done for other companies and organizations, some paid and some volunteer. I'd be happy to do a similar project for your company as a sample for you before you hire me. 21 seconds. I'm John Hockenberry. I'm Celeste Headley. This is The Takeaway. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex. Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.